Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore, where our mission is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Welcome back, podcast listeners. Andrew here, and we are so honored and excited to be joined by John Acuff. John Acuff is the New York Times bestselling author of nine books, including Soundtracks, Your New Playlist, and the Wall Street Journal number one bestseller, Finish, Give Yourself the Gift of Done. When he's not writing or recording his popular podcast, All It Takes is a Goal, Acuff can be found on a stage as one of INC's top 100 leadership speakers. He's spoken to hundreds of thousands of people at conferences, colleges, and companies around the world, including FedEx, Range Rover, Microsoft, Nokia, and Comedy Central. His new book, All It Takes is a Goal, The Three-Step Plan to Ditch Regret and Tap into Your Massive Potential, is releasing very soon. And you can find out more about this book at johnacuff.com. Well, I think you're going to love this conversation today, so take it away, Tim. Well, John, you have been a friend and you have been both an engaging communicator as well as a great author. Oh, um, thank you. How, how many best-selling books have you written? You've written a lot of books. How many would you say have this been? This will be number, this This is my, I'm, my ninth book will come out um, this fall and then I'm turning in a 10th book the same week this other one comes wow. out. So wow. yeah, I just, I really enjoy doing it. And so, yeah, yeah it's uh, it's been a fun, it's been a fun few years. That's That's awesome. Well, I want to talk about your your book. All it takes is a goal. Um, that's a fun. It's a fun title, and all of us would say, "Yeah, I try to set goals. I need to set goals." Mm-hmm. But most of it would say, "We don't do all that we should." So, can I begin by saying you start in your new book by saying, "I didn't think about living up to my full potential until I was about forty five years old." Yeah, that's kind of surprising to, for me to hear about you because I feel like you've accomplished so much. So early. Yeah. So I, I was telling a friend that the other day, um, like there was a three or four year gap between my book, um, finish and my book soundtracks. Like I just got stuck and he, he said the same thing, like, no, but you'd done other books. And I was like, yeah, I, but you can still be stuck. And so for me, what happened was the, the moment I kind of realized, Oh, I really want to live into my potential was we were touring a college with my oldest daughter that I had attended and my wife attended the same college and we were sitting there and we we're walking around and my wife said, wasn't college amazing? And I said, no, it was a train wreck. Like it was <laughs> terrible. And I was looking at these four years where I, I didn't make much of myself. I got rejected from Murray fraternity. I didn't have real relationships. And I drove home to Nashville with this sense of regret, but I had just written this book called Soundtracks about mindset. So I knew that I had the power to choose my mindset and change yeah. my mindset. So I thought, okay, instead of sitting in that regret, like what can I do with it? What can I, can I learn how to like, those were four years. Like those are four years. I might have 40 or 50 ahead of me. How can I live into my potential there? And so I got really curious about that. And that was, yeah, it was in my mid forties of saying, wow. okay, what else am I capable of? And so then I asked 3000 people. I, I did a survey with this PhD named Mike Peasley. He's a professor here in Nashville where I live. We asked 3000 people, 96% of people said they weren't living up to their potential. Wow. Um, and so then I knew, okay, it's not just me. It's, it's worth spending a few years yeah. trying to work on this answer to this question and create some, some tactical things you can do. So that's what kind of got me into, into this particular topic. 
Interesting. So what I love about what you just said is it wasn't just a theory or a quote unquote book idea. You were living out. I don't think I am. The best, and- Tim, for me, I, don't, I won't say this for everybody else, but like for me, the best books are written with my heart, not with my yeah. hands. Yeah. You can read a book and go, that person wrote that book with their hands. Like it's yeah. technically true. Like it's yeah. an idea, but you can tell they haven't lived it. They don't, there's not a texture to it. Like the best yeah. humor is true. Like the yeah. best, in my opinion, best nonfiction, at least self-help kind of books that I write. So yeah, I was in the trenches. And then the fun thing for me was, because I've changed my writing process now, when I have an idea, I test it with hundreds of real people before yeah. it hits the book. The book right. is the last thing. So what happens is like with this book, there's 40 real stories from real people that tested the ideas and say, okay, as a single mom, this is how I applied it as a retiree, as a college student. Um, so I'm not guessing that it'll help. I go, wow, we tested it. We changed yeah. it. We grew it. I know this will be helpful because we've already like I'm 47. Like God forbid I write another memoir type book. Like yes, get yeah. at some point you can't be like I found another section of my life that is memoir worthy as a 47 <laughs> year old who hasn't been to Mars. Like at some point you have to be like, dude, you got to get over those. Like like do some books that help a ton of people. And I hope that's what this is one. Absolutely, John. You just reminded me of why I like you so much. So I think when I first met you, you were doing even more comedy yeah. than you were perhaps teaching. Um, do you mind if we just take a trail for one of course, minute? Dude, love trails. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Comedy Central, you've been such a funny person. Would you mind just sharing for our listeners yeah. how that comedy thing got going and then maybe turned into it's it's funny, but it also has a message. Yeah, so I grew up with humor as a value system. My dad's a pastor. I wa- and he planted a church in Massachusetts in the eighties, Southern Baptist Church. There were like two, and yeah, so you yeah. couldn't. He couldn't coast on cultural faith to try to share what he was doing. Like he had to rely on humor and pop culture yeah. and other things. Um, in our family, it was it was a value system. Like we cared about it. When I turned eighteen, my dad would take me to comedy clubs and we'd go see like. Carrot Top and Brian Regan. So I grew up around it. And then I always loved it as an ability to share an idea. Yeah. So I, yeah. you know, Chris Rock says there's some things people won't listen to unless they're laughing at the same time. It's true. It is true. And so I, I love to use it as a way to share an idea. I love it as a vehicle for truth. Um, I love it as a way to like blow up an idea so large yeah. you can't ignore it. And so like when I give examples or when I tell stories, so like I did this story for a couple, like COVID happened and then I did it probably like a year or two after COVID about overthinking. And my story in wow. my speech would be um, overthinking was a, an epidemic and then the pandemic happened. And if you weren't overthinking before, oh, you gosh. definitely are now. And I would go, cause everything is a thing. So the story I would do is I'd say, and this is a true story. The first time I went to a live event after the pandemic chilled, somebody went to shake my hand and I thought, am I supposed to refuse? Am I supposed to fist yeah. bump? Yeah. Should I twist at the hips? Cause the hips don't lie. And I would, you know, like, and that's a Shakira <laughs> reference. And then like, then yeah. I would say, should I give them an elbow? And I'd say, remember where you're pterodactyling each other, elbowing each other for yes. that month. And like, yeah. and then I'd say, maybe I'll shake their hand, but I'll put my entire arm into a vat of hand sanitizer up to the elbow as if to say, excuse me one second while I scrub off this deadly pandemic. He's just tried to murder me and my grandparents right. with That's right. like just one second. So like I'm layering, layering, layering. So instead of just saying there was a lot of overthinking that happened because of the pandemic, I yeah. isolate an example or then I'd go, the other problem, like you used to be amazing at the grocery store for the first 99% of your life. You were so good at walking down the aisle of the yep. grocery store, but during the pandemic, you were like, 
which is this up aisle, down aisle. Like, I don't want to fail this grocery store run and have my neighbors publicly shame me. Like, you used to be so good at chips, you know, like, so I'm using those stories around a sensitive subject to expand it and have everyone in the crowd go, oh, yeah, he's right. Like, a lot of life got really awkward, like simple things that I used to not think about. Because then I'd I'd end it with, do you know what I thought about? five years ago when somebody tried to shake my hand, nothing. I just shook their hand, but now yeah. everything. Yeah. And so I love humor that way. So I'd, I would say I watch a hundred comedians for every one business speaker um, as far as like a study process. How about um, that? Yeah. And so it's definitely a tool I feel. And it's, it's one that I've, I've tried to hone and use to the best of my abilities. Yeah. And it became a separator for me. There's just not a lot of funny business books. And so it became this kind of fun niche. You're so right. And and I'm hearing you say in the subtext, it just lubricates hard topics or issues oh. or friction. It, yeah, when, when it's honest. It, Comedy yeah. is honest. So like yes, when somebody, you've had guests that won't break the character. So like yeah. they have a character and like yeah. there's no getting around and being like, you ever mow your own yard? Like there's no, like they're, you, we've all interviewed people like that. Yeah. We're like, okay, like I'm getting just full character. And I think humor is honest and goes, Hey, here's a, here's a thing that didn't work out or, Hey, here's yep. something funny that happened to me. So I think there's a degree of honesty there too, um, where, where people are able to go, Oh yeah. Okay. This is a real person. Like this is a, yeah. this is an, a, a funny, honest person. So yeah, I, I love it. I try to put as much as I can in the books. Um, I've done, but I really do love the funny, funny, funny point, like that rhythm. Like I did yes. comedy a couple of times and it was pure comedy and I enjoyed it. It was really challenging, but I, I have that muscle now where I like to go and here's what that means or here's how yes. that helps. So yeah. I, I don't know that I'd ever be a pure comedian at this point because I do really enjoy the, here's how this idea could change your yes. life. That's yes. not a silver medal part of content for me. That's gold. And I enjoy that. Yeah. Well, you do it well. Oh, thanks. So talk to us about, in this book, the vision wall, the first roadblock we yeah. encounter when we're setting goals. You offer an unexpected alternative approach to potential. Yeah. And the first part of that approach involves looking through the rearview mirror instead of looking ahead at the yeah. windshield. Talk yeah. about the strategy. So the problem is when people want something more. So you come to it, like maybe you hit a career stall out, like maybe you lost your job in the economy, you you know you hit some some stuck moment they automatically think, okay, I've got to figure out the rest of my life. People ask questions like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what's your 10 year plan? What's your why? You know, and it becomes this huge vision wall where you think you have to know the vision before you start. And it's where entrepreneurs have a vision wall in entrepreneurship right now, especially online, they'll say, you got to know your niche. You got a niche. The phrase is niche to get rich. So you don't sell flowers. You have to sell a specific type of yeah. flower, a specific, yeah. or you don't write big books. You write a specific type of, which is crazy when you think about it, because it would be like me saying to you, what's your favorite meal that's Southern Cambodian? And you were like, I've never, I've never had Southern <laughs> Cambodian. I'm like, not Northern, Southern. And you were, yeah. you would say, I've never tried any of it. I don't know. Like that would be crazy. And so we get this fear though, that we have to have it all figured out. And I got stuck there. I feel paralyzed by the question, like what's your 10 year vision. Um, and so when I was stuck there, I realized, okay, I can't dream forward. I'm having a hard time with that. And yeah. everybody I talk to has the same hard time. 
what if there's something we can learn from the past? And mm. it's this often ignored part of our lives. We do say they're like, you don't look back. You're not going that direction. Yeah. And then I think culturally we're kind of addicted to sadness and trauma right now um, yeah. as a culture for every 100 scientific papers written on sadness, there's only one written on joy. So mm. we don't do exercises where yeah. we go back and look at things that give us joy as if there's no value. Every counselor I've been to, there's been a lot of, well, let's figure out the trauma. There's, I drew a trauma egg in one counseling setting where I had to draw a picture of every bad thing that had happened. Every small group my wife and I have ever been part of, when we share our stories at the beginning, it becomes six weeks of everybody crying about the terrible parts of their marriage. And I thought, what if instead I made a list of all the things that I love over the last five years, 10 years, 20 years? Like, what if that could teach me about who yeah. I am? And I did this exercise and it's a crazy exercise. It's so simple, but what happens? And then I taught it to a bunch of people, hundreds of people. And I would say, come up with 30 items. And they would come up with 300, 200. Like wow. they would. And what always happens is there's this moment where you go, I want more of that. Like I want more, like, so the past all of a sudden helps you plan the future. Cause you mm -hmm. go, these are the, th oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm wired for these things. I didn't know I'd lost touch with some of them. I want more in my future. And so now you've got this great desire for things that you can achieve with a goal. Like that's yeah. kind of the on-ramp. Like, Cause nobody changes just because I've never yeah, met a single person true. that said, I just decided to get uh, disciplined. I just woke yeah, up one day yeah. and I was like, it's time to have grit just because yeah. like no particular reason, just today I'm going to. And so the desire makes you want to do the goal and then yeah. there's steps yeah. to do it. That's good. Yeah. All behavior has a reason, doesn't it? Yep. So John, let's talk about the best moments list that you have in the book. It's very intriguing concept. What's the best yeah. moments list? Yeah. So that list is, that's what the exercise becomes. So you create this okay. massive list okay. and then where it gets powerful is you categorize it. So what happens, Tim, is you come up with 50 items, hundred items, and there's four categories that every item is going to fit in. So it'll either be a relationship moment, it'll be an experience moment, an accomplishment or an object. So let me give you an example of how that breaks down. If you go hike by yourself and it's a beautiful hike and you love the hike, that's an experience. If yeah. you go hike with a friend who's going through a divorce and you are able mm -hmm. to really encourage them, that's a relationship moment. Yeah. If you hike it faster than you've ever hiked it before, that's an accomplishment. If you grab a rock from the top that reminds you you can do hard things, that's an object. So what happens is people then would categorize their lists and it becomes this amazing, it's the, in my opinion, one of the best personality tests that's ever been designed. Because in every personality test, there's some degree of should that slips in for me. Yeah, I should, like, they'll go, do you care about people? And I'm like, oh, I should answer yes. Yep. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I don't, but I'm gonna. So with this, you're not guessing the things like you're writing down. It's a history exercise, not a fantasy exercise. And so what happens is people do their list, they'll categorize it, which is so simple. And then they'll go, wow, 60% of my list is relationship focused. No wonder yeah. I feel stuck. I'm really lonely right now. Yeah. So like, yeah. wow, or wow, 60% of my list is accomplishment focused, but I grew up in a family where accomplishment was frowned upon. I was supposed mm. to play it small, yeah. even though I feel naturally wired to accomplish. What if I built more accomplishments into my life? What if I built more? And so it becomes this unexpected life plan that does give you that view of the future, just in a counterintuitive way. Yeah, that's good. 
Um, one of the big ideas in the book is is you talk about zones, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us are familiar with the term the comfort zone, but you talk yep. about the chaos zone, and then the zone we want to hang out in is what? Well, how do you define potential in between the two? What would well, you the say? potential to me, it, potential is my definition is the gap between your vision and your reality. Okay, so say potential that again. is the gap between your vision and your reality. Okay, so good. I have this vision of who I want to be, the type of father, the type of business owner, whatever, and then I have my reality, and there's a big gap between those two things, and in the middle of that is your potential. So the zones came about because I kept studying high performers, and it was wild that being a high performer doesn't mean you're a high achiever. Doesn't automatically mean mm. you're a high achiever. We all know people who are capable of sporadic bursts of performance, but they don't turn it into long-term sustainable careers, long-term sustainable relationships. And what happens is high performers, and if you're listening to this podcast, congrats, you're a high performer. And I can say that authentically because low performers don't voluntarily listen to podcasts like this. They don't even know this category exists. So congratulations already. You're a high performer. (laughs) What happens is high performers live between three zones. The comfort zone, which we all know, imagine that's in the end of one line. The other end of the line is the chaos zone. And so Mm. the chaos zone is where you try to do everything all at once. So you'll often see people go, they'll get inspired, they'll be stuck in the comfort zone and they'll get inspired by New Year's resolution or a podcast or a conference and they'll swing all the way over and they'll go, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to volunteer more church. I'm going to date my spouse and I'm going to do it all this weekend. And it creates crazy chaos and they never get momentum because they can't do it all at once. And so then they swing back to the comfort zone. And that's why we have the phrase yo-yo diet in our culture. Because people yo-yo back and forth. They yo-yo from I'm not exercising at all to I'm tracking every macro and micro and I'm weighing (laughs) my food on a scale designed for Tour de France cyclists. Like I'm all, and then they, you know, you can't sustain it and they swing back. And in the middle of those is the potential zone. So Goldilocks zone, not too hot, not too cold. Yeah, that's right. Not too much, not too little. It's just right. And that's what's really fun is when you figure out how to live in that zone. I love that. That totally makes sense. And by the way, that is so American, isn't it? To move into chaos. I was oh, yeah. horrible. Now I'm going to be the best of the best of the tonight, best. Tonight, tonight. I'm doing yeah, it all. Right. Like I'm doing it all. Like we have an, a, like we have this belief in new person syndrome where like yeah, I can be yeah. a new person and I'll meet people and they'll tell me their goals and I'll go. So I guess tomorrow, completely new person. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and they'll say goals that of, about things I know they don't want. I know they wouldn't like, even if they got, and I'll go, well, who's doing this goal? And they'll go, me. I'll go, I, you're going to be a new person, I guess, for this to happen. Um, and so you just get really stuck in that chaos. And we talk yeah. about the comfort zone a ton. I don't think we talk nearly enough about the chaos zone. That's good. So now I want to shift gears a little bit. You also discuss three types of goals in the book. Mm-hmm. And I'd like you now to, for our listeners to, to distinguish between easy, middle, and, and what you call guaranteed goals. Yeah. So the problem with goals for most people is that they have a goal. And they have this, imagine a ladder. They have this ladder and it's 12 feet tall and it only has two rungs, one at the very top and one at the very bottom. So the very top says, write a book or start a podcast or lose 50 pounds or whatever. And then the rung at the bottom is the first day and they don't have any rungs between there. And they think, okay, I guess I just have to jump as high as I've ever jumped, 12 feet high, two feet higher than a basketball rim and grab that top rung and then just pull my way up. And what I like to come and say is, 
what if we built a ladder that had rungs every six inches? Ooh. Like, could you climb that ladder? You think you can get to the top of that ladder if like there were that many rungs? And they go, yeah, that would, that would be yep. a really easy ladder to climb. And that's what I mean by easy middle guaranteed. So easy goals are those first small goals you do. It's easing into whatever activity. So if somebody said to me, John, I want to write a book. I'd say, great. Don't write a book, write a chapter. Or don't even write a chapter, write a page. Like what are some yeah. easy goals yeah. we can do? And then the middle goals are when you start to expand the amount of time you're doing it, the amount of effort, mm -hmm. like you're, how you're investing. And guaranteed goals are those goals at the top where if you've got the progress, it becomes guaranteed. Like for instance, I can tell anybody, like if you run 30 miles this month and you ran zero miles last month, you're guaranteed to be in better shape this month. Like that's a get like that's a get that's not a miracle. That's not magic. Yeah. It's just you've climbed the ladder. And so that's what I mean by guaranteed goals is that by the time you get to the middle of the ladder, that thing is happening. Like there's it would be hard for it not to happen. So for me, like imagine if I only had one top, top goal that said finish the book, like uh, write right. a book. Yeah. Every day of the year, I'd feel like a failure because yeah, every day I right. wouldn't achieve that goal. But <clears throat> instead, I have this ladder. And one day, the, the rung mm -hmm. says, write 20 words. One day, it says, mm -hmm. talk to Tim on a podcast. One day, it says, write the subtitle. And I'm climbing the ladder. By the end of the year, if I'm faithful, it's hard for me not to have a yeah. finished book. Yeah. Like I guarantee. So, Tim, I couldn't have written about guaranteed goals in my first book because I had no uh -huh. proof. I had yeah. no evidence. Like yeah. I would have, it would have been a theory, but not something I believed in. Yeah. But as I release book number nine and turn in book number 10 and tell people, Hey, if you do goals in the right way, like you're guaranteed, you know, these results. Now that the, the yeah. challenge is you have to make the goal, something you control. The trick with a guaranteed goal is it has to be something you control. So for instance, I don't control the number of books I sell. I really don't like, I don't yeah. control the book catching fire. I don't yeah. control yeah. somebody giving it to Oprah. Like those would not be good guaranteed goals. There's other things I do control though. Like I control how often I write. I yeah. control how often I talk about it online. Like I know if I talk about it a hundred times this month and I talked about it zero times next month, I'm guaranteed to have better results. That's not, yeah. again, not confusing. So a big part of it is making sure it's a goal that's within your control. Um, yeah. when, when authors tell me my goal is to hit the New York times, so sellers also say it's not, it's not a great goal. Yeah. It's that's not out a, of your control. Yeah. It's out of your control. It's not, it's, it'd be great if it happened. It'd be great yeah. if it happened. It's not yeah. a great goal. And here's why. And so yeah. I'll unpack that and go, I can't guarantee that one. Like I, I don't, you don't have any control over that one. I don't have any control over that one. Let's find one you do have control over because you're going to get really encouraged by that. Yeah. Control. You know, I love what you're saying and I'll tell you why. I remember talking to loads and loads of university students over the years, and I would talk to them about goals that they'd set that were out of their control. And I would say, you know, um, if I were to tell you to go on vacation, I can't guarantee you're going to have a great vacation, but I can send you to an environment like Hawaii yeah. Yeah. and this particular hotel, yeah. and I'm creating an environment that's very likely to create. Yeah. And that's really what you're saying. There's some things in your control that puts you in a great chance, a great opportunity or opportunity to, to reach them. Is that kind of what? Yeah. Saying? So, well, the other thing is by the time you get to the middle of the ladder, you have proof. So like, yeah, right. I always say not every easy goal turns into a guaranteed goal. I yeah. do some easy things in my life that I don't focus on long-term. Yeah. 
but every guaranteed goal should start with an easy goal. By the time, so I put in the book, I'm going to sell a million copies of books in my career. I didn't start with that goal, the first book I wrote. That yeah. would have been egotistical, overwhelming, yeah. discouraging. Yeah. But I'm in the middle of the ladder. Like I can see where the math is going. I know if I continue to faithfully produce books, it'll be impossible for me not to sell a million books. So my thing there is the easy goals you do give you confidence and evidence you can do a middle goal. The mm -hmm. middle goals you do give you confidence and evidence you can do a guaranteed goal. Yeah. So as you climb that ladder, it gets easier and easier to go. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, that's happening. Like that yeah. is like, that's a hundred percent. And here's the other thing. So we talked about nobody changes just because when you find something you care about, you want to throw time at it. You yeah. want to throw yeah. effort at it. So I, I lived in Atlanta. I lived up in Alpharetta and I didn't decide to wake up early one day because it was good for me. I started the blog and realized, wow, I really like this blogging thing. And I've got two kids under the age of four. I've got a wife. I've got a full-time job. I've got an Atlanta commute. Like the only way I'm going to be able to throw time at it is if I start getting up earlier. Yeah. And the desire, again, the desire led to the change. And like, I thought about it, like hours were like logs and I was throwing more logs in the fire. So I always try to encourage people like, I want you to have something you care about so much that Netflix gets boring. Like you're bored <laughs> yeah. of Netflix, you're bored yeah. of Instagram because this other thing is so great. And you don't have to force yourself to do it. Yes. Like right. I couldn't stop writing books if I wanted to right mm -hmm. now. Like it's too late. It's too late. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. it. Like I'm in, like I see the benefits, like the ROI is too much fun. So yeah. like this is happening. I love that. So take a minute, John, now and talk about um, the whole notion of fueling those goals. You talk yeah. about that. And I think that's a differentiator in this book. Talk about that. Yeah. So the fuel thing came really from my own life. Um, about two or three years ago, I signed the biggest book deal I'd had, and it should have been this moment of celebration, but my wife pulled me aside and was like, hey, like this isn't going to go well. And I was like, what are you talking about? She said, well, you're a jerk for the two years when you write a book. You're a jerk for the two years when you sell a book, and I would rather you be a happy plumber than a miserable writer. Um, and so she was right, and what she was saying was that Years before in Atlanta, 12 years ago, I started an ad agency that, that failed, failed tremendously. And, but I learned something in it that I can function in a crisis. That's a good, true soundtrack. Yeah. I wrote this book about soundtracks. It's true, helpful kind. But unfortunately, your thoughts don't stay positive accidentally. Like mm -hmm. nothing gets accidentally awesome. I tell yeah. people that all the time. I've never That's met right. somebody that was like, yeah, I was just binge watching Netflix. Next thing I knew I was doing burpees. I don't even remember getting off the couch. Like I'm flipping tractor tires. I don't even own a tractor. Like it was just, I accidentally got in shape. And so if you don't work on your thoughts over time, they tend to mutate and tend yeah. to get negative. They, yeah. they call it negativity bias. So for me, what happened was it went from, I can function in a crisis to, um, I function best in a crisis. And then eventually mm. it mutated into, I need a crisis to function. Wow. Wow. And now, and everybody listening to this has worked with a leader that has crisis as a fuel. Because what happens is if you work with a leader who's great at putting out fires, what happens when there's no more fires? Like yeah. they feel worthless and leaders don't like feeling worthless. So they start another fire. Yeah. Now you don't work with a leader, you work with an arsonist. So that's what Jenny was saying. Jenny was saying, you're using stress and chaos and yes. fear and anger and all these things to fuel you. And it's accomplished some stuff. Like it, like at that point I'd written seven or eight books, like it had accomplished stuff, but it wasn't going to be a long-term fuel. Yeah. And that's where like, you'll see an 80 year old that's 
miserable and really rich. Yeah, and you're right. like, how can that both of those things exist in the same person? It's like, well, because they, their fuel for 80 years has been proving somebody wrong. And the yeah. part, like maybe their dad died 20 years ago and they're still trying to prove their dad wrong. Like there's no end, like that yeah. fuel is eating them up. So that's where the fuel exercise came from was yeah, again, so something good. in my own life where I was like, I got to find a different fuel because yeah. I yeah. want long-term sustainable growth. I want to yeah. be the person I think I'm capable of, but the metaphor I used for it is like when a rocket leaves the atmosphere, they use rocket boosters and that, mm. cause that's powerful. It gets them out of the atmosphere. Yep. But then once they're out of the atmosphere, they have to drop the rocket boosters because you can't control a rocket booster. It, it only does one thing, extreme yeah. aggression. Yes. So when they get out of, you know, out of the atmosphere, they use a, a solid source of fuel that they can manipulate more. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for me. I was like, okay, if I want long, I want, there's other galaxies for me to explore. Yeah. What are the fuels going to be that get me there? that's where the fuel kind of discussion came up yeah, and it ended good. up looking at impact and craft and community, like that there were deeper fuels that I could tap into. Yeah. And you stay married. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. 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 It's like, I, that's, yeah. I always say like, if my business like does well and my marriage fails, like my business has been a failure too. Yeah, like I don't, yeah. like, I don't, I don't want that. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not where I'm trying to do this. And that's I, right. I refuse to believe you have to be a leader that has a failed anything like i don't you know like where you go oh well yeah they're really mean but they get a lot done or they're really like there's some leaders i meet where i'm like that person is miserable and so are the people around them and the results they're getting you're like yeah they're mm -hmm. good results but yeah. i always want like i wish somebody would do a conference where you could have honest conversations with the people on the other side yeah. of the people yeah Cause like I sometimes look at people and they're like, you got to work 80, 90 hours a week. And I'm like, you got no friends. Like you yeah. got to work 80, 90 hours a week. Your kids don't know your name. You got to mm -hmm. like, I, yeah. I want to be, I don't believe in balance. I think that's kind of a myth, but I want to be deliberate about having goals in all the parts of my life. So let yeah. me give you an example. I wanted to be a better friend. Like I realized I was lonely. I wasn't being a good friend. I was isolating. And so that's too vague. I can't do anything with that. It can't, I can't measure it. Like that's so fuzzy. That's how most goals are. So I said, I'm going to really turn it into a goal. If I want to be a better friend and all it takes is a goal, I'm going to build a goal. So I said, all right, I'm going to encourage one person every day for a month. I'm going to make a list of them so that I don't get stuck in the middle. I don't want to be a Tuesday in the afternoon going, who should I, who should I encourage? So I made a list of them. I would text friends and I would say, Jeremy Coward, he's one of my friends. I would say, man, Anytime I think about creativity, you're the person I think of. Like you're so, I love watching yeah, you create art. Yeah. It's so fun. And I didn't have a single person that month write me back and go, you don't know how bad it was to get this today. This was the wrong time for me to get this message. 90% yeah. of them said, you don't know how much I needed that today. Yep. Like you don't know the stuff that's going on. And so then once the test works and I go, that was that, I feel like I'm a better friend. There's a guaranteed goal, by the way. If you encourage 30 people for a month, you're a better friend at the end of that month. You don't have like, when people go, you can't guarantee goals. I'm like, I can guarantee some of them. Yep. Like if I encourage 30 people at the end of the month, I'm seen as an encourager. Like that's yep. not. So then I take the goal and I go, what if I encourage my kids 30 days in a row? Like yeah. I just, instead of 30 different people, what if I found 30 mm -hmm. different things about them that I could edify, that I could wow. encourage? Like, would I have a better relationship with my kids at the end of the 30 days? Like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course I would. Like, cause I'm thinking about them, I'm praying about them, I'm encouraging them verbally, whatever. So now instead of going, 
I want to be a better dad, which is too fuzzy, too vague. Yeah. I've got a real yeah. thing I can do. Like, yeah. I, like same with, I did a 30 day goal to practice being um, less offended. I found myself mm. getting very angry at very minor things. And I did not like that. I heard yeah. Earl Nightingale. I love old school, like motivational yeah. dudes. Earl Nightingale said, essentially, the size of the person you become is based on the size of the problems you let impact you. And yeah. I was like, Ooh, I'm a small man right now. I'm a real yeah. small man. Like, cause dude, we're on a podcast. This is such a silly thing. I got offended when a podcast I was going on wrote me this long email about how to use a mic. And I was like, I got a podcast. I have a <laughs> mic. Like I dude, you would have thought they wrote it. Dear idiot. The way I read it. Like I added that I was so offended. I wouldn't yeah. be like, I have my own podcast. Like it was like, that's such a small thing. It's yeah, so silly. Yeah. So I made a goal for 30 days to practice overlooking offense and they could yeah. be small ones. They could be big ones. So and then good. again, like at the end of the month, I'm less angry. Like, so mm -hmm. I took this fuzzy thing that was be less angry and I made it a tactical thing. And then yeah. 30 days later, like, what do you know? So that's what the book's about is how do we do that with the things we care about? Yeah, that's so good. So I want to um, leave listeners with some encouragement. Yeah. Um, you've already seen so many people um, from the group that you researched mm -hmm. uh, set goals and achieve them to this, really the strategy that you're yeah. given. What's your hope for this book? Oh, here's, oh, easy, easy. So 50% of the people in the survey, so 3,000 people, 50% said 50% of themselves is untapped. And mm. the metaphor that that made me think of would, was that's like walking down on Christmas morning and only opening half your gifts. Like oh, wow. there's a big pile and you've got friends and family and neighbors, maybe even coworkers going, Hey, those, like we see something like those gifts are yours too in the corner. And for whatever reason, you're not opening those gifts. Yeah. I think it would be amazing if you could use this book to open more of your gifts. And I, I think that. it would have, changes in your life you can't even begin to understand right now changes you can't even begin to imagine so that's my that's my goal is that people use this book to open up more of their gifts love it i love it so listeners let me talk straight to you right now um, i'm gonna let john share with you in just a minute how you can get in touch with him and find this mm -hmm. book but every book i've read from john acuff i have loved and as i read the book i laugh and i learn if you like laughing and learning this man's for you. Oh, so thank John, you, Tim. Yeah. Well, I mean that. I really do. So tell everybody where they can find you and where, yeah. they, can, where they can find this book. Yeah. So the book is sold anywhere books are sold. Um, if you're an audio person and if you're listening to a podcast, you're probably an audio person. <laughs> I read the audio book and we put 10 bonus stories in it. So it's really fun. It's really funny. So that's what I would say. Like, pick up a copy of the audiobook. Um, you can find all my info at johnacuff.com. And I have a podcast called All It Takes is a Goal, where I interview people about the goals they're working on. That's so good. John, I'm honored to talk with you today. Thanks yeah, for thanks for having me. With us and just making us laugh and learn. Um, look forward to the next time. Wow, what an incredible conversation. If you enjoyed that like I did, I know you'll probably want to dig deeper. So if you want to find out more information about our guests today, check the show notes for more information about how you can stay in touch with what they're up to. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. If you found this episode particularly helpful, share it with a friend. We would also appreciate that. If you want to stay connected with us, 
online. We are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, maybe other people you think we should interview or subjects you think we should cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. Thanks.